Amen. Uh, so let's go ahead and, uh, and read uh, verses 28 through 31. Who would like to read that for me, please? Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Okay, so in order to, to bring us up to speed we, uh, in, in this uh, chapter uh, 14, uh, I want you to pay attention to a few things. And, and uh, back in verse 15, uh, Jesus made the remark, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he began to tell them about he was going to pray for a comforter to come uh, that he may abide with them forever. Uh, he, he mentioned that. And then in verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He always associates obedience to his command with the love we have for him. Okay? And he does this multiple times in this uh, few uh, verses here. Now remember, this is after the Lord's Supper, after Judas Iscariot has gone out to have him arrested. This is the only gospel that records these things, that what Jesus talked to them about after Judas left, and even, uh, we're going to see here in a minute, after they left this room, uh, and, and he still continues to talk and to teach to them. And, and also, uh, in verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And then he makes the remark that he that loveth me not, my, uh, uh, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my commandments. So he don't leave any doubt that if you don't love him, you don't, you're not even going to try to keep his commandments. Do we see that in the world today? Do we see that in the churches today? Who people who profess to know Christ as Savior, they don't bat an eye at sin. A lot of them don't. Don't bat an eye. As a matter of fact, they justify their sin, and they justify their sin by saying, well, you know, I'm saved. I'm, and you hear that a lot. Y'all may not hear it a lot. I hear it a lot from people. And, and so uh, he goes back in to uh, verse 26 about the comforter. And, and I want you to keep in mind that there's some things that he starts to tell us, and he continues this in verse, uh, chapter 15, about some of the things that the Holy Ghost does for us. The Holy Ghost is necessary for our salvation. Without the Holy Ghost in you, you are not saved. That's the way Christ and the Father dwells in us, is by the infilling Spirit. You call it the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, doesn't matter. Jesus called, it by both, called Him by both names, and so it's okay to do it that way. And in verse 26, he starts off by telling us he teaches you all things and all uh, he brings all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. Verse 27, he brings us peace, the peace that we have that Jesus gives to us comes by way of the Holy Spirit and by his presence in our lives. And he says, let not your heart be troubled or not let neither let it be afraid. So he, he helps us to to not be troubled and worried, and he helps us to not be afraid. Why? Because we know who is in control of things. And so in verse 28, uh, because that's where we stopped, we didn't get through last week, uh, you have heard, he says, that I said, I go away to, 
who and, and shall come again. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go to the Father. Now, why would we rejoice because he goes to the Father? See, what they don't realize yet, and he says this for our benefit and their benefit after they receive the Holy Ghost, after they saw him resurrected, he knows that, the, the, that he can't go to the Father until he has completed the work of salvation for all of us. Okay? Now, the, the completion of the work of salvation is not just his, his trial. It's not even just his death, although that was, it also includes his resurrection. And they're going to see all these things, but to go to his Father, they're going to have to see 40 days after his resurrection, they're going to see him ascend up into heaven. They're going to watch him go away. And he, he told them that when he goes back to the Father, he's going to pray the Father, and the Holy Ghost is going to be sent back to them, or the Comforter is going to be sent back to them. Uh, them. So he says, you need to rejoice because I'm going to my Father. Mm -hmm. and, and so because that is how salvation came. That is how it was furnished. That is how it was paid for. But in order for us to be saved, we must have the, the Comforter dwelling in us. And he said, so if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. Now look at this. He makes a remark here that a lot of people have questioned. I've never questioned it because I understand it. But he said, for my Father is greater than I. So a lot of people say, well, wait a minute. He's equal to the Father. He's done made the point that he and the Father are one. How can he make this remark that the Father is greater than I am. I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I'm God in the flesh. How could he make this remark? Anybody want to venture to touch on that? Because he's in the flesh. Whatever he says, he got from the Father. Okay. So what you have to understand is Jesus was fully God and he was fully what? Man. Man. He was fully God. He was fully man. If he were not fully God, he could have not lived without sin in his life. He was not even born of a man. He was born of the Holy Ghost. The Holy... So think about this, and you want to wrap your mind around it. He says the Father, the God the Father is his Father, yet we see that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. Amen? It was not a sexual act. It was an infilling into her womb to an egg that caused the, the, the development of Jesus Christ. So he was fully God, but he was also fully man. So as God, he could do the miracles. He could do all of those things. But as the, as the man, the fleshly man, he recognized that the Father was greater than him, and he shows that because every he said, I do nothing except the Father tells me to do it. I say nothing unless the Father tells me to say it. And so everything that he did, the reason he said he did it according to the will of the Father that sent him, all the things that he did was prophesied, not the actual event, like this, that, but the, the Old Testament prophesies that he's going to heal blinded eyes, he's going to make the lame to walk. That's all prophecies from the Old Testament. And so those things that were done, uh, said by the, uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and the, the Father ensured that the man Jesus Christ would fulfill these things. Okay? And we, well, we could get real technical about all this stuff if we want, but we don't want to do it. We want to keep the simplicity of who Christ is, the simplicity of the gospel, 
because we're not gonna, you're not gonna learn these things overnight. These things come through study and, and much thought, and it comes through us, the truth to us, by the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and it's plain to us, the more we obey God, and the more we study God's Word, the more He manifests Himself, that means the more of Himself He shows to us, and the more we obey Him, and the more we do according to His will, the more He will show of Himself. And so that's the reason there's different degrees of understanding of the Holy Spirit and of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son by some people is because of their obedience and because of their study and because the Lord has manifested more of Himself to them. That's a, that's a promise from the Word that, that if we obey Him, I will manifest myself to you. Amen? So when we begin to live in sin, guess what? We ain't learning much about Jesus. He says, you draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. That's what he said. We just read that the other night, didn't we? If you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And so that's what we have to learn that he's talking about here. And so he says, so the, he said, for my father is greater than I, and, and now I have told you before it come to pass that it, when it come to pass, you might believe. So he's telling them he's not talking. He hasn't just told them about his death. He ain't mentioning his death here. He's talking about the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit. So he says, you know, when they receive the Holy Spirit, they're going to think, boom. Wow. I know what he's talking about. I, I know what to say. I know what to believe. I know what to share. And if you'll notice, it did not happen till the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, when they became filled with the Spirit, and Peter got up and preached that sermon, he, he preached what he knew, what the Holy Spirit showed him to preach so people would understand what was going on. So that means the Old Testament is still alive and well today. That prophecy from Joel is still happening in our world today. Okay, It's still happening. It, is salvation still available? Are people still getting saved? You better believe it. And it happens how? The same way. Those that call upon His name. Amen are saved. And so, He said, So I want you to, to hear me say this to you now, before I die, while I'm with you in the flesh, so that when these things happen to you, because he, remember, He ain't going to be with them when this happens. He's not going to be physically with them when this happens. Let me put it to you that way. So when this happens to them, they will believe it because he's already told them. And the Holy Ghost, when he comes into them, is going to bring the remembrance of the words of Christ back to them. They're going to understand what's happening to them. And it's important that we meet as a church body, as we meet and we study the Word of God, so that we understand together what the Word of God is talking about. Okay? And so this same type of understanding it still applies to us today. We know we're saved. We know we're filled with the Spirit. And we know because Jesus verified it and He certified it before He ever hung on the cross. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Isn't that cool that He's talking to us right now from this Scripture right here? Mm -hmm. Amen. And, and listen to me. What's even more amazing, it has been preserved. Mm -hmm. You notice the Word of God has been preserved through the centuries by people who wanted to annihilate it because, and, and y'all, they ain't been able to do it. Now so instead of trying to destroy it now, what are they trying to do with it? Change it. Change it. Yeah. Instead of trying to destroy it, they're trying to change it. 
justify to their needs. They're trying to change it so they can justify folks living in their sin. As long as Satan can convince us that we can live in sin and God's okay with it, we, we're hopeless. Mm -hmm. we, we're without hope. If, if we believe that lie, we're in trouble. Okay? Amen. We're in trouble. Now, now I'm not even going to go there, but there, there's a lot of stuff we could get into with that very statement that you just made. Because there's a lot of people who think they're saved that's not. And their life verifies they're not saved. I'm not talking, I'm not going to call any names. It, it's, it's not my judgment, it's not my call. But I know according to the scripture what Jesus Christ teaches us that we will live a certain way. And he also, in the letters that Paul wrote and, and John writes, there's a lot of things that ain't, there's a lot of people ain't going to make it. And, and a lot of people that ain't going to make it are, are being told today that God's good with what they're doing when he ain't. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now remember that. The devil's a liar. And he's probably got as many preachers, maybe more preachers out there than God's got. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, there's a bunch of them. And so, and, and guess what? They've got the support of media. Most of them. Not all of them that are on media are, are not good people, good men, good called Christian men. I thank God that we're able to be on media. Amen? And, but it's a way to reach people who aren't able to, to go to church and whatever. So he says in verse 30, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Now, he's telling them business fixing to pick up. And in a black way, he was telling them, I'm fixing to be separated. I'm not going to have access to you. So I'm not going to be able to talk to you very much. And he gives them the reason for the prince of this world cometh. Who is that? Satan. Satan the prince of this world. Now remember, when, when Judas Iscariot left, the Bible said Satan entered into him. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So Judas Iscariot filled with Satan is going to come and identify Jesus with a kiss. You talk about, oh, when you think about that, a turner coat. Uh, At this point, he became a devil worshiper. My goodness. He became the devil. He became the devil. Because the Bible says that Satan entered into him and he left out. And so he said, and so the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. There is nothing of Satan in Jesus Christ. There is no darkness in Jesus Christ. There is no guile in Jesus Christ. There's no deception. There's no lie. All of those things, none of that is in Jesus. All of those things are in Satan. And he says, so Satan has nothing in me. He's the, he's the opposite of Satan. And Satan is the opposite of him. But, he says, that the world may know that I love the Father, and that the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Now, remember this. He's going to go out here to a garden in a minute, and he's going to ask the Father to take this from him. Where they're going. He, he's going to, he, so he... Even though he's God in the flesh, he's still a man, too. He's fully God, he's fully man, 
And the man part of him that says the Father is greater than I is going to have to yield himself, his flesh, to the Father before this is said and done. Amen? Remember what Jesus said about the apostles that he asked to sit and, and wait with him or pray with him while he went a little lazy? And he, this ain't that yet either. But they're going to come back and what does he say about them? Yeah. Well, he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can't stay up an hour. Uh, can't stay up an hour. He got on them. He did it three times. And the last time, he didn't even gripe at them. He told them, get them to come on. But he made the remark that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus had, Jesus in spirit, God, he was all for this, but the flesh of him, amen? And, and it's hard to say that the flesh of Christ was weak, but he had to go get from God what he needed before he was allowing himself to be arrested. Think about it. You know what? Some people I think would think that in that moment Jesus was tempted. I don't believe that because he can't be tempted, not by Satan or any man, for one thing. But he quickly nipped it in the bud by remembering carrying out the will of the Father. Yeah, that's, you know, what, he, that's you know, what he's saying right here. It's kind of like he's, he's not subject to it, but he's acquainted with it yeah. because he's a man. Yeah, and he is tempted. And the Bible says that he was tempted in every way as we are. Yeah, you're right. That's right. He, he is tempted. But he never succumbed to it, nor did he do it right here. Yeah, the Bible does say yeah, God he, is not tempted, but Jesus as a man well, it was. Well, he says God does not tempt us. Yeah, and neither but, is he tempted by any man. But but Satan was tempted Christ. Right. And, and there's a lot could be preached about you, you that. Know this I just showed you, I bring up that video I was telling you about, brought out that when he was in the wilderness and he tempted him after the 40 days, that the three scriptures that Jesus uses to defeat him was all out of the book of Deuteronomy. I know. All three of them. That was. Every one of them. And he tells why, but I ain't going to go into that. Yeah, every one of them comes out of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. He used those scriptures to defeat Satan. So don't tell us, don't, don't think that the Old, script, the Old Testament is not of any effect. Christ used it. Matter of fact, every quote Christ quoted was Old Testament yeah. scripture. At the day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. the, oh, the the scripture used to identify what had just taken place was Old Testament. Right. Amen? And so the, there's references all through the epistles, all through the, the letters, everything that's written. As a matter of fact, when you get into Revelation, there's references to Old Testament scriptures that are being fulfilled even in glory. You know why? This is what they have. Because the word's there. Amen. No, they didn't have the New Testament. And they did not have the New Testament. So we need to understand that this this how many of y'all ever heard don't study the Old Testament don't mean oh, man. Oh, man. that's silly. I've heard it said. Yeah, we've yeah. all heard it. If you've listened to anybody at all, don't worry about the Old Testament. Let's stick to you know you know why we began studying uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy before we ever done anything in the New Testament? I want you to understand the law. I want you to understand the symbolism. I want you to see the shadows and the type of the one who's come that we're studying about tonight. Amen? And he fulfilled all of that. He became all of that. Even in heaven, we see the temple set up, the tabernacle set up in heaven. We see it. 
It's there. And so it's so cool that all of this stuff comes to fruition. And those, there's a lot of that stuff in heaven. Somebody said, they're never going to find the Ark of the Covenant. If they don't go to heaven, they'll never see it again. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. If they don't go to heaven, they ain't never going to see it again. It ain't going to be found here. If it does, it's a fake. And so he said this. Now, once he makes this command, this says, the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. So I'm going to do exactly what the Father has told me to do. And then he says, arise, let us go thence. So upon this, he tells them, get up, it's time to go. Now we know from the other Gospels where they're going. They're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. But on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, or before they ever left out, he gives us here chapter 15. He gives us another wonderful, beautiful scripture. If you remember from our study, uh, well, I preached it actually. And, and I preached to y'all one time a series called The Seven I Am's of the Book of John. And, and in, in the book of John, Jesus declares, I am the bread. I am the light. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. He does it seven times. There's seven I am's in the book of, of uh, St. John. And, and the last one we studied, if you'll remember, the last one we talked about during Wednesday night, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That was number six. Okay? He was the resurrection and the life. And then he was the way, the truth, and the life. And now he's fixing to show us something else. I'm I am the, the what? Line. I'm the truth. We better read it first. <laughs> All right. So if somebody, is there any questions about what we just talked about? Any questions or comments? When you use that word about tempted, I think a lot of times it could be tested, trying mm -hmm. put to the test. That's right. It, it, it can be either one. Tempted or tempted. Now God tests us. Satan tempts us. Okay? And sometimes God allows Satan to tempt us as a test mm -hmm. for us. Amen. Now let me ask you a question. <laughs> Have you ever failed one of those tests? Oh, yeah. oh, everybody just go like this. Yeah, <laughs> Which day you want to talk about? I like to go like this so you can't say what I'm saying, yes or no. <laughs> What's that scripture that said, most of the time we're tempted by the lust that's, that we're already tossing around, sort of. Hey, that you've already been entertaining. There's not a single one of us that hadn't been tempted by lust. Not anyone in this room. No one has not been tempted by lust. Mm -hmm. And it don't just mean sexual stuff. No. Lust is a gigantic broad term because James tells us in his book, in his letter, he said that lust is what tempts us. That lust gets a hold of us and said when it is conceived, mm -hmm. in yeah. other words, when we allow it to take place, lust harbors in our heart, then it becomes sin. Yeah. And then he said, if it's not dealt with, that sin becomes death to us. Okay? So lust is not anything to scoff at. Mm -hmm. And so we, we all have been tempted and we have lusted at, you know, you can lust after things. Okay? You can lust after a lot of uh, different items. It's not just a sexual sin. Covetousness is lust. Covetousness is, is one of the, uh, the the commandments. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. 
And and so we should not covet. Covet is wanting what somebody else has. Yeah. Lust necessarily is not wanting what somebody else has, it's just wanting stuff, period. And it can also be covetous. And so it's a very dangerous thing for us. We have to deal and control. How do we do that? How do we have the power to control those things? Right. The Holy Spirit gives us the power. Because if Christ dwells in us, he says we can be more than conquerors for him. Amen? And we're going to see that. Somebody read for me the first eight verses, please, of uh, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and, he, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye hear much, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Okay, so he's not just the vine, the true vine. Okay, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the vine, but he is the true vine. Does that mean we can be connected to other things? Well, here, here's what you got to look at. He said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the husband. And I already said earlier than that, that father is greater than I am. So he is this vine, and he, he is our Savior. He is the Messiah who is to come for Israel. That, that's yet to take place just yet either. And he, because so, he came as the lamb, we're still in that revelation right now, who had all authority in heaven, who had the ability to open the scroll, who, who uh, no one else in heaven, in earth or below the earth had the authority, but the lamb of God had the authority. So this is what he's fixing to receive. And so he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. So the, the father, you remember Jesus said earlier, he said, don't fear the one who can kill your body. Remember that? What did he say? Fear the one that can kill your soul. He said, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul. In hell. In hell. And so, he, he's showing us a picture here that he, this vine is sitting there, and Brother Tim got some musky dying right now. Amen? And, and he, I went by there here a while back, and there wasn't nothing. He done took all the limbs back. There's a bit of laying down there on the ground. What'd you do with it? You burned it, didn't you? Alright, so that's a picture that we, that we have. He's using the vine. And, it, and it's almost like I, I was wondering as I, as I was studying this and reading this, when he said, let's go, let's leave this place. If they weren't walking through a vineyard, or already walking into the Garden of Gethsemane, and there were vineyard, there were vines in there, because we don't know what their garden exactly looked like and what was there. 
And so they, they, when he saw these things, he began to use that as a lesson for them. And it became an, uh, his seventh I am statement in the book of John. Now, what, what, why do we need to think about I am statements? What's that got to do with anything? Just a description of, of who he is. It was a description that every Jewish person knew that God expressed to Moses that I am. Tell them, who are you? Now, who do I say sent me? I am. Tell them I am sent you. And they knew when he made these statements what he meant by those statements. And when he said before Abraham was, I am, they wanted to kill him over that because they knew exactly what he was saying. He was using these I am statements to identify the Godhead, the God that the Father was in him. That that's who he was. And it would, man, it would just burn them people up. So he uses that again to these apostles. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, because they needed to know this. Now look what he says. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, there's a lot of people who believe that you can be saved, law, saved, law, saved, law. And they try to use scriptures like this to, to support their ideas. You see, they're in the vine. Well, what is the reality of the vine? What is the reality of the Father? What is the reality of the Son? What is the reality of the Holy Ghost? They were all there in the creation of, dawn, of the dawn of mankind. The, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was over the earth and he began to speak that when, he, when they created everything, that he created everything, these things are good. And when he created mankind, the Bible says that it, mankind was made in what? His image. His image. Well, wait a minute. God's the Spirit. They had to worship Him. Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. No man's seen God. So what? What was the image? Who was the image that He were made in? Angels. Jesus. It was Jesus Christ. Does it say the image and the likeness? In the image of God. And the Bible says about Jesus that He is the express image of God. Look it up, Sam. And the fullness of the God in bodily. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is the bodily image of God the Father, and so in reality, everything is from Him. Listen, there is nothing created that wasn't created by Him, and there was nothing created that wasn't created for Him. Amen. And so the vine here, any human being is going to be coming from this vine. Because of who he is. Do you find it, Sam? Uh, it just says, make, let us make man in their image yeah. after our life. After our life. It says both of them. So you're both right. But that's what he said. And so that image, two arms, two. It wasn't a Neanderthal. It wasn't an ape. It wasn't a monkey. And it wasn't a fish. Hey, you know, well, it just wasn't an amoeba that washed up on the dirt. You know, when you was in uh, Revelation 5 when we started, and you talked about the the throne, the God from the throne handed him the uh, handed him that scroll, scroll. and uh, a hand, a hand. Okay, before that, before Jesus came, God is a spirit. He's a consuming fire. No man has seen. At any time, at any time, he's never been a man. But Jesus in him, in the Father, I always thought about this. If that's the case, then, 
he, cre he created man in the image that he knew he was going to come in here. <coughs> Not that he was already a man and I made you just like me. Well, you know what I'm saying? When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he kind of let the cat out of the bag. He is there too. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, the scripture says about Jesus, all things were created for him and by him and without him, nothing was made. And that's him. what the scripture says. And it's him. talking about Jesus. And him all things so he he was actually, he's always been. <laughs> there ain't never been a time we can't identify the beginning of God and there ain't no end to God. Yeah. And that's a mystery that this, this says, well, see, that's where it's all fables. Nobody knows where he came from. Amen. And so he's too big. We don't know. And, and so there's some things we may never know. And so he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So creation, the man, man and women, when he talked about men, he talked about women too, but he always used the masculine unless he's specifically talking to women. And, and so in this vine, everything which the vine represents humans, ain't monkeys, ain't, ain't none of these things, the vine represents humans, or the branches represents humans coming from the Creator, God. So he's the vine. And so the, everything that comes out of him, saved, lost, good, bad, comes out of this vine. He, it does it naturally as he is the creator. So everything comes from him. Everything, remember, everything was made for him and by him. Without him, nothing was made. And so no man ever born since the creation of Adam and Eve is not stemmed from that creator. Y'all with me? Everybody in agreement with this. Every human being born from the time of the creation of Adam and Eve stems from the Creator. You check the DNA and it goes all the way back to them. Yeah, well, our DNA, if you, it, it, well, it goes to dirt. Anyway. <laughs> so so he, he that beareth not fruit, so he says everything, all creation, all created man, that's growing out of this vine, although they're all connected to me, all of them are not going to bear fruit. Now listen to this. Is that the bad? That's the bad. Okay. That's no. That's the lost. Yeah. Now, now we're going to get into some things here in a little bit about this fruit. As Christian men and women, we are required. Do I need to say that again? To bear fruit. Amen. It's not a request. It's a requirement. Why? Right here it says if you don't bear fruit, you're going to be cut off. It's our identification to the connection to Christ as the vine. Mm -hmm. The lost person is not, he's connected to Christ through creation. We're connected to Christ through the Holy Ghost. Now, we need to understand this. This is very important stuff right here that we get to grasp. Just anybody can't grasp this, but people that are saved that are filled with the Spirit should be able to understand this. And so he says that every branch that is in me beareth not fruit. In other words, all creation, all the men are not going to be saved. Now look what he says is going to happen to them. And he, now who's doing this? 
Who's the husband? The father. Can you see? I could just see Jim at the, when he got out there with his little old uh, uh, berry vines that he had something to cut them things off with. Either had a pocket knife or some scissors. Now you see this vine and you see you see good branches and you see branches that are, aren't good. And you see the father with his little old pruning shear and he's going along there and he's taking the ones that are not fruitful Think about that. Now that sounds cruel and callous, doesn't it? Jesus wants them to understand how important it is for us to be saved. If you're not saved, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not filled with the Comforter, you cannot go to heaven. That ain't going to happen. Okay? Where was you going? It seemed like you was going somewhere a while ago. When when you talked about a lot of other churches and pastors, and I've heard it, use this passage as a falling away passage. Right. Or in, in the salvation and out. In and out. In, in and out of salvation. They see, they're growing. He's growing from the vine, so he's saved. That ain't what he says. He said every branch ain't bearing fruit, so every branch ain't saved. Okay. Because the saved branch bears fruit. That's the identification of its salvation. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying right here. And so he said, he, so he taketh away the branches that aren't bearing fruit, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. That means so he works on it and trims it and, and makes it where it can bear more fruit. I might illustrate. On the grapevines, yeah. there'll be vines that won't have any fruit on them at all. Yeah. I cut them off. That's a picture. After... <laughs> The vines have set fruit. There will be a long area vine that does not have any fruit out here. I trim it back. Exactly. To where? I trim it back to just before the fruit to where it will, instead of putting growth into leaves, it will put growth into the grapes. Okay. So fruit. you can look at the vine and think about tomato plants. Uh -huh. They call them suckers. Uh -huh. Exactly. <laughs> You cut them off. If you don't, it just takes away from the... Yeah. And that's what he's doing. When he removes these things, he's, he's removing anything that would draw from the power of the vines that bear fruit. Okay? It's important that we understand that we don't get to just sit on the pew. We got to bear fruit. Now, let me, let me clarify this. The fruit that he's talking about I ain't just working around the church. I ain't talking about anybody. I'm just telling you because everybody does things for the glory of God, and that's a good thing. But the fruit he's talking about is that we make disciples for him. This is the fruit he's talking about. Amen? And the people that work around the church can make fruit. There'd be people drive up and see you working out there and say, man, what's wrong with them? So it is a fruit. But the fruit he's talking about is, is other people being saved through your work. That's the fruit that he wants. When we go past that sign out there by the driveway, that's that's the, the vineyard that we work in. That's right. That's exactly right. But and that's not the only fruit that he expects us to bear. There's more than one type of fruit. Fruits of the Spirit will show up after. Just suppose your good works yeah. are hidden. Nobody sees you doing what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. 
eventually that's going to produce spiritual fruit. That's going to produce the, the fruits of the Spirit. When somebody sees you, your behavior, how you've changed, opposed to the way you used to be, they see something and wonder, what happened to him? Mm -hmm. You know, why is he so much different than he was? It's that other. And they they know a change is really taking place. Y'all got to remember, it, it, you're right, there's other fruit. You got to resist sin. The Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit are what? Love, no. joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, patience. He gives us nine fruit. Are those fruit optional to your salvation? No. <laughs> no. Not according to this scripture. This is the fruit we bear. Where does it lead us? It leads us into a right relationship with God so we can be used for His kingdom work. To do what? To reconcile people. We are people of reconciliation to reconcile lost people to God. That is the whole purpose of all of it. Is to see people saved. That's why Jesus died. Okay? And so, uh, so like I said, don't don't be offended by what I just said. Y'all keep on working around here because it, that's part of it too. That is part of it too. Okay. And so he says that uh, he said, that, but he takes away those that do not bear fruit. He takes them away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges that it may bring forth more fruit. Amen. More fruit. That's what he's after. More fruit. More and more. And and so now, and how do we achieve that? How do we how do we get to a point where we can do more? We obey him. As he manifests himself, as we obey him, if you complete a job that he's given you to do, you've obeyed him, he's gonna give you something else. It may even be greater, it may be less, who knows? Only God knows. It's our part to recognize when it's God and do it. Amen. And the scripture tells us a lot of stuff that we know to do. The Old Testament is full of stuff what we don't supposed to do. And it's, a, it's full of a lot of stuff that those people did at that time that they were praised for by God himself. You ever notice in the Kings? That every time they mention a king in the book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, it says that so-and-so was king and then it'll tell a little bit about it and it'll, say, it'll make a remark. Either he did that was right in the eyes of God or he did that was wrong amen and so he, the God identifies these kings and he's the one that says they did good did, were they perfect <laughs> That's, that gives us some hope don't it but they did good they obeyed the law they ruled according to the Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful if we had a leader that would rule according to the Word of God. My goodness, wouldn't that be a refreshing thing? Then he might stick to the Constitution, actually. You know? <laughs> yeah, who knows? But anyway, and so now you are clean. Now listen to this. Now you are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. Now, now I want you to think about this. Remember when Jesus was washing their nasty feet? And remember when he got to Peter and Peter rebelled? Right. And when Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you ain't got nothing to do with me. Remember what Peter said? 
Wash my head, wash my, head, wash my body. Yeah. In essence, is what he said. And what Jesus tell him. Yeah. You're clean. Mm -hmm. You have no need of me washing your body. Mm -hmm. I'm washing your stinking feet. They're dirty. Mm -hmm. But you're clean. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Now, in a minute we're going to find out that these men had been ordained by God. They were clean because He chose them. He ordained them. And He's going to use them. And then we're going to see in chapter 17 in the prayer, He prays to God and thanks the Father for allowing Him to keep those that He's chosen. So He tells them when He's talking to these, these apostles, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I have ordained you to be messengers of the things I have said to Israel. I, I, I've ordained you to be messengers of the words I have said. Because he ain't talking to nobody but these guys. So they're going to have to share the word with other people what Jesus said. That's why we're reading it right now. They did a good job, didn't they? Amen? And so he says, so he tells them this, abide in me and I in you. This always messed with them. They, they just couldn't. And they still don't know all this stuff about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, what to think about it. And he says, abide in me, in verse 4, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. He's identifying himself as the vine. And he says, you must live, dwell in me. And I must live, dwell in you. That is the connection of the vine and the branch. The branch is connected to the vine and it cannot live without that vine. And it cannot produce fruit without that vine. And the, the job of the branch is to produce the fruit. And the job of the vine is to produce the branch. Are y'all getting this? This is what the picture that we're getting here. And, and so that is our relationship that the comforter is going to give us. He is going to connect us to the vine. He is going to be the one that causes Jesus to be in us. And he's going to be the one that causes us to be in Jesus. Amen? Yeah. And that's why the scripture tells us that we are to walk in the Spirit. That's, that's the same thing as saying walk in Christ Jesus. Amen. And think, he's done. I think everything that he wants us to do, you know, as far as uh, doing his will. I mean, there's a lot of things that he wants us to do as, as soldiers of Christ, you know, that uh, is in his will, and that's bearing fruit, just like he's telling his disciples to go out and, and teach his word, you know. Yeah, and it, but it all comes back to leading people to him. all comes back. Jesus led people to the Father. We are to lead people to the Son. That's the, the whole purpose of every bit of this, is to do those things. And then he says in verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bring, bringeth forth much fruit. And then he makes a statement. 
that we hear a lot. What is it? You can't do nothing without him. Without me. You can't do anything. You can't do it without me. He verifies and certifies that in order to have him in us, we have to be filled with the Spirit. That's why he told the apostles before he ever ascended. And the angel came and told them, he said, go where he told you to go and wait on the promise of that Father. Don't do nothing. Wait until that promise comes. And that's where that's where he's going. You can't do this without me. And so it it the, the first step to their salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit was a step of obedience of being where God told them to be. Now listen, it's a picture of the beginning of the church. Amen. You know why the Bible the book of Acts is called the book of Acts? It's called the book of Acts because it's the actions of the church. It's the founding of it. It's the beginning of it. And it tells what happens to it in Acts. You know, Brother Gary, when the Roe versus Wade started up and they started having abortions and everything, abortion clinics, and people went and blocked the, tried to protect the babies from being aborted and murdered, well, those people that blocked it went to jail. And the people that were aborting the babies and, and killing the babies were, it's okay. Right. You know, so that's who was doing God's will? That's right, because evil had become good and good had become evil. So the people that went to jail were doing what was right. Well, the thing about it is, God tells us not to be writers. And to the government, they were the writers. Because abortion to the government's legal. And that's the reason you have to be careful how you address these things mm -hmm. and how the platform that is used in order to, you know, if you go lay down in front of a vehicle in front of an abortion clinic, somebody might run over you and kill you. Mm -hmm. But God's law is over all law. God's law is over all law. And it don't mean that it's not a just cause. It just means that there's a certain way that we are to go about things. And, and, and so God is about the way we portray ourselves. Now, we are to stand up to evil. We are to fight evil. We are to stand up to evil. We are to proclaim evil. And that, they're going to try to silence us from doing that one day. It's coming. It's coming really fast. Amen? Hate speech is not what it used to be. Hate speech now is when you tell a homosexual, a homosexual they may go to hell if they're a homosexual. That's hate speech now. You can't even tell the truth of God's word without being hate speech because you're telling them they can't do what they want to do. Civil law is, uh, is we, don't, we don't have to go <coughs> resist civil law, civil law if, if it's against God's law. Yeah. And we have to Constitution says we have an amendment, first one, that we have freedom of speech, and that's going away too. And we have religious liberty, that's going away also. But we can still resist it. We, we've got to resist. And let's try to get through with these uh, next few verses. Now he said, if a man abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, 
and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. When's this going to happen? Judgment. Judgment. Going to happen at the judgment. The great white throne judgment. This is where this is going to take place. Okay? And he says, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, here we are again. That's the second time he's made that statement in the book of St. John and both times. It's people that misuse the scripture. This is the name and claim it, people. Who said, see, he said, I, well, you better, you better be right with Jesus Christ if you're going to make this claim. Amen? You better be right with Jesus Christ if you're going to make this claim. And it shall be done unto you. Now, look at this, and we're going to stop right here. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So he's identifying to us in these few verses that he wanted these men to get before he died. But he done said, I ain't going to talk to you much longer. I got to get all this into you again. Because I know when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to remember everything I said. You're going to write this down. Everybody's going to know it. That's why he's doing this. And he's wanting them to know that we are to bear fruit. And it is a, a proof of our relationship with him. A proof. The Bible says that there are many infallible proofs. And none of the proofs that we know Jesus is evil. And none of them is contrary to the Word of God. Amen? Any questions? It's not an option. He didn't <laughs> say it might, it might bear fruit. It's yeah. if, you know, when you bear fruit. The, that you bear fruit. That's right. The arrogance of man say, well, I'll do it the way I want to do it. I'll go where I want to go. I'll you're taking God from out of the equation when you start saying, I this, I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I won't do this, and I don't have to do that. Be careful. You know, whenever, when a person makes the profession or statement that I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I know the Lord is my Savior, a person makes statements like that, we naturally want to see some evidence of it. It's like James says, faith without works is dead. It's simple. But yet, on the other hand, you look over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said he couldn't talk to them as mature Christians because they were carnal Christians. Mm -hmm. And as you go through that, he talks about the works that a person going to be judged for. Say like Christians will be judged of the judgment seat of Christ. Not for salvation, but for our works. Right. And if our works... If our works suffer and are burned up by fire, the Bible says, yet we are going to be saved, yet so has by fire. They'll still be saved. Now, I've heard, uh, I'm going to just throw this here out there about Elvis Presley. From what I understand, he was in church as a young person. That's where he got his start, singing in church and everything like that. And uh, I've read some stuff about him. And some of the statements has been that whenever he got through performing after their shows, they get back to the motel or wherever at, but they were singing gospel songs the rest of the night until the wee hours of the morning. Talking about Elvis? Yeah. And I just, 
Now, I heard people say, oh, he's in hell. But yet, Lot was a righteous man, a just man. He, he vexed his righteous soul. And I just wonder, maybe somebody like Elvis Presley, if he could have been saved whenever he was little, but he let the ways of the world and the pleasure of the world keep him from all of this, you know, living servant of the Lord, and remain a part of Christian all his life. The only way he can have any peace or anything, get back to the motel and just sing gospel songs. You know, so and not only that, he sung a gospel song at every concert against the wishes <laughs> of the people who put on the shows. Only God knows. And he would tell them how great they are. He's boy, he could sing that so beautifully. And he would sing that at his concerts, and they'd say, "We don't want you to sing that." And he said, "If you want me to come, I'll sing it. If you don't want me to come, so be." And they would allow him to sing. That's why he always sung that song in his concerts. And just look on that word pierced with the Lord. Yeah, we have to be careful, brother Sam, that that we there are infallible truth proofs. But there are there is such a thing as a backsliding or backslidden Christian. Amen. There is. If it wasn't, uh, man, we'd all be in a heap of trouble. Amen. I, I mean, I've been, I, I've been there, and I'm not bragging. I'm ashamed of it, but I've been there. Well, I wouldn't go to church. After I was a grown man, after I got saved, had a family already, and, and been in church for years, and I got angry, and I didn't go back to church for several years. Well, that's why it was us also. Yeah. And, and so there is a such thing as backslide. Here's the thing about the backsliding Christian. Because the Bible does not tell us we're not blameless before God. It tells us we are unblameable before God. Okay? Now look that up. Look up the word unblameable in your concordance and go to that scripture. That's where it's at. It tells us we are not, that, that we are still blameless. Well, I mean, we're still uh, uh, sinners, but we are blameless. We, we're, 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 we're unblameable before God because of who Christ is in us. And so when we backslide, and, and I testified this to y'all before when I was backslidden there wasn't a night went by that the Holy Spirit didn't convict me of my sin. That is a good sign. Yeah. It wasn't fun at the time and I didn't think about it at the time but after I got back in church and I repented of my backsliding and got filled back and, and, and refilled the Holy Spirit and that, that's not a re-salvation that's a, something I needed to do and I preached that. We need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. And, and so when that happened in my life, I looked back and I thought, thank you, Lord, for keeping your promise to me that you never left me and you never forsook me. You kept trying to draw me back into a right relationship with you. And I praised God for it. Amen. Yes. If, you don't, if you don't go to church, say if you stop going to church, but you still study the Bible and you still uh, worship the Lord and all that period of time. The only definition of backsliding is not going to church. Nope, I didn't do any of that that you're just talking about. No, it's not a re-salvation, it's a course correction. <laughs> yeah. But thank God, the Isaiah 59, after he talked about our sin separate from God, he said he loves the backslider. So that person that was really truly saved, God's Going to, he's not going to stop and 
quit working on that person. No. He's going to bring them back. And, and I think that gives uh, a lot of credence to when Jesus said, I haven't lost one that the Father's given me, you know, that he's put in my hand because, you know, we're all human. So, you know, but he lost Jesus. Every, every, every Christian person. hasn't been through backslidden before, but a lot of them have. Yeah. And, and, and you don't like the product? That's the picture that Jesus gives of the prodigal son. It's, it's the yeah. very picture of what we're talking about right here. When that son come back, yes, right. that father didn't, have, didn't, he didn't require anything from that boy. Remember? Right. All that father required of that boy was to come home. Mm -hmm. And when he got home, what did he do? He lavished him with acceptance. He lavished him. He didn't say, where you been? What you been doing? You throw all your money. He didn't do that. I've heard a lot of preachers use that one too and just because he said he was lost and now he's found and they use that for a fallen away. But here's the thing. He was lost from the blessings he could have had if he stayed with the Father. Because when we're talking about an earthly man, this was going on on earth. He was, he was an earthly person. He lost the blessing that he could have had if he hadn't ventured out and gotten away from his Father. And his father welcomed him back. It don't mean you're gonna miss heaven. No. Don't you agree? I mean, yeah, I do agree. And and what here's the and we, I know we gotta go. Here's the thing: we pay in this life the consequences for those choices that we make when we're back in heaven. We pay in this life. We suffer in this life, and we pay the price in this life for our sin when we're saved and don't repent of it. And, and you've got to remember, if you think for one minute you're going to be good enough to go to heaven, you're thinking the wrong thing. I had one thing to say. You know, we see millions of people that claim to be saved voting for a, a government that is for abortions and, and everything else, you know. And, and that's a sin, to vote for some... For, uh, they're voting for sin, but they claim to be saved. Millions of people. We just paying. We got to go. Yeah. I could, y'all. I could do this all night. I, I would love to study God's word, and I don't have all the answers. But y'all, sometimes by just having a conversation like this, you learn things, don't you? You, you see things in the scripture. And, and, and I love the way we dissect the Word of God. I like the way we look at it and we don't get in a hurry about it and we just say a few But as long as you learn, then you can move on to the next thing. What does it do to study it? Don't learn nothing from it. Just move on. We can hurry up and go through it. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, to learn. Learn about Jesus. Just hurry up and go through it. It's not a different move than any book. Yeah. It's not taking time to understand it. Well, Gene Wise, would you just miss us, please? Yeah, Grace Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the day that you blessed us all with. Lord, I thank you for the word we heard here tonight. I thank you for each one who participated and added to it. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would have a remembrance of your word that we might apply it to our daily lives that your kingdom might be put in advance. I pray for these that's on the prayer list, Lord, for the ones that need healing, Lord, I pray that You'd reach your healing hand down and touch them this very minute, Lord, and, and lift them up that you might receive praise, honor, and glory for those in, that are, uh, have lost a loved one, Lord. I pray that you'd, you'd comfort their hearts, Lord. You'd 
uh, do whatever you can to help that family get through this difficult time. I pray now that you give each one of us traveling grace home and bring us back safely, son. Fortune, Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 <laughs>